Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. (laughs) I'm glad all you guys are here. Let me open in prayer, and then we can get started. Father Yehoah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for the Shabbat uh, place that you've given us to gather and look into your words and grow closer to you, Father, and to one another. Father, be with us today. We look for your, your insight, your wisdom, and most of all, Father, your spirit to help us to accomplish all things that we need to accomplish. Father, we thank you that your words became flesh, and he has dwelt among us. We trust in whom you sent, and that is your son, Yeshua, our Messiah and our King. Amen. Well, good to see all you guys, and it's kind of chilly in here, isn't it? <laughs> While we have the air warm, cooling it down, we got in kind of late, so, but, um, so I think it's much bearable right now, so. Um, oh, by the way, too, I did bring some figs in as well from my tree, so you guys can help yourself to that later on, just when you thought we were all done talking about figs, right? So today, uh, like I promised, I, I, I want to hear from you. I know I took up uh, a lot of the time the last few studies, uh, so I'm just going to read the text that we've been looking at to refresh your memory, okay, and, or refresh any comments or questions that you may have. So, and again, uh, please be brief and on the point of the text that we're talking about. Uh, and as usual, just raise your hand, and that mic will f- find its way to you. So let's get started here. And having left them, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, I wanted to, this is where I wanted to start. And um, it's in Matthew 21 is where we're at. I'm going to go to 14 real quickly. And the blind and the lame ones came to him in the set-apart place, and he healed them. But the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders which he did, and the children crying in the set apart, crying out in the set apart place, which is the temple, Hosanna to the uh, son of David, and were very, they were very uh, greatly displeased. And he said to him, "Do you not hear what these say?" And, and Yeshua said to him, "Yes, I do. Here." You, have you ever read out of the mouths of babes and um, nurslings or infants, uh, I have perfected praise? And we talked all about that. Then it goes on in 17. And having left them, he went out of the city of, of Beth, Beth, and, Beth, Bethaya and um, spent the night there. And returning to the city early in the morning, he became hungry. And seeing a single fig tree, by the way, he came uh, to it and found um, found not, but uh, found not on it, but leaves and and said to it, "Let no fruit grow on you ever again." And immediately the fig tree withered. And the taunt one, seeing it, marvelled, saying, "How did the fig tree wither so soon?" And Yeshua answered and said to them, "Truly I say to you, if you have belief and do not doubt, you shall do not. Uh, you shall not only do." What was done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea, it shall be done. And whatever you ask in prayer, believing or trusting, you shall receive. And when he came, had come into the set-apart place, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these And who gave you this authority? And Yeshua answered and said to them, I ask you a question too. Which of you, which, which of you answer, uh, which if you answer me, I shall say to you what authority I do these. And the immersion, oh, so let me stop right there because I want to get your comments because um, let me just back up. 
So far, uh, we've talked about the fig tree, the cursing, the mountains, and the whole time. So I want to, uh, questions that you may have had or comments that you may have had in the last weeks, and you maybe, like I said, I took up a lot of time, so I want to hear from you, and then we can continue on in the story here. Okay, uh, Joe, uh, wait, let, let um, John get that mic to you. It's not on. I don't hear it. Testing, testing, <clears throat> testing. There we go. Okay, here we go. We got the mic, Joe. I was asking myself this word authority, mm -hmm. and I couldn't understand because the Pharisees were asking me by what authority was you, are you, why are you doing this? Who gave you the authority? Mm -hmm. But then I was just looking uh, when he said, and everything you ask for in prayer and believe, you will receive it. So that was the authority that he has the power to, to do that. And so the Pharisees were questioning that power. Yes, no, I, I see they're saying, okay, why are you doing this? Who, who's given you authority to do that? And we talked about the mountain, how the mountains and uh, the figs, if you can bring together all those things that we talked about, that you can see instantly I kind of went further than when I should have. But when we are talking about that amount and what authority, and all of a sudden we do see the scribes, and um, or we'll see here in just a bit the scribes, and saying, well, okay, why are you doing this? Who's given you the authority to do this? And we'll examine that as well, too. But it just goes back, uh, or what I'd like to point out, how much this, how Messiah is using that fig tree, you know, that fruit that's on there, or how he's using that. And, I, and again, I had mentioned specifically, I think it's a particular people that he's pointing out uh, when he's talking about the fruit that's coming off of that fig tree. And then he's saying, okay, you're able to do that, and, and then you're able to you know, cast that authority into the seas as well. So we see that is going to happen here uh, real quickly too. So... If there's no other questions, I'll continue on and maybe it will start. Again, you have to bring in everything we learned last week. And remember where we're at. We're in the time of Passover, Passover week. So we see that. Uh, let me start at Matthew 21 and 23. And we had come into the set-apart place. The uh, chief priests and the elders of, of the people uh, came to him, and he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these, and who gave you this authority? And Yeshua answered and said to them, I ask you one question too, which if you answer me, I shall say to you by what authority I do these. The immersion of John the Baptist or Yohanan, where did it come from? From the heavens or from, from men? So they reason amongst themselves saying, if we say from the heavens, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the crowd, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Yeshua and said to him, we do not know. And he said to them, neither do I say to you by what authority I do these. Now, something is kind of interesting here. Messiah is answering this way, I believe, because later on in Matthew, we'll see the, we'll, uh, we will see the, the Pharisees come up with obscure, philosophical, uh, what would you call it, hypothetical things trying to attack Messiah. And I know this, I don't see this, uh, I don't, I see, I see that this is still uh, maybe, maybe in some kind of, chronological order to us right here in Matthew. But all this happened at one time within that three-day period. And as we'll see other places in Matthew, so what I'm trying to say, I think if, if you could take that understanding in the background how they were approaching Messiah, so maybe Messiah was getting a, trying to give them back exactly their type of thing. So he turns it around. Well, of course, I'll tell you what, what authority. But he got to the the core and put them on the spot because like they just proclaim themselves if we say this we're wrong 
And if we say this, we're going to be wronged, you know. John, I saw that your hand was up. Well, I think, I'm just thinking, but when they asked, by what authority from among us did, gave you the ability to do, to do I think that? Among us, yes. Yeah, that was, the, that was the underlying. You don't have a Messiah license issued to us, <laughs> issued to you from us. What are you doing? No, I think that's a very, very important part, uh, a very important point, because I think that's where the, this particular group of people is coming from. And I, I say a particular group of people here, and I am saying, uh, I am not saying all Jews are this way. I am pointing out a particular group within a group within a group is behaving a particular way. Okay? So I'm not including all Jews in this, and I think that is very wrong, and that's, that's taught so, that's, it's inferred a lot in other teachings I've heard, and or you know, and it's just not it's just not the case. It's a particular group that he's talking to. So, so about this authority thing, um, I, I want to touch upon that real quick too as we continue here. I may not have uh, clarified my thoughts on authority here uh, last week, and I want to make sure I do that. Because one may have concluded that I was saying that Yahshua was re- promoting rebellion, you know, because he said, because I was associating, you too can say to this mountain, that authority structure, be gone, and over here. And he's talking about a particular authority structure that was in place. So I, by no means I want to say, okay, well, that means that we can rise up in the name of Jesus or Yeshua against anything and do whatever we please. That is not what I'm saying, okay? So let me say it this way. I believe this Messiah was promoting or how we should understand it. Obedience to his Torah, not the traditions, the Torah, the commandments from the Father, not the traditions and the doctrines of men. Okay, along with prayer is how we can overcome unrighteous authority. Okay, that's the key to me, where Messiah even said, you too can overcome this, I would say it's unrighteous authority, how they were doing it. But he didn't say go in guns blazing and crucify everybody and, and start doing all these things. But he did say towards the end there, but with your trust... With your belief, and that all goes back to in the commandments, taking those commandments and walking them out in your life with prayer and fasting, let's throw that in there too, then any unrighteous authority that's going to come up against you, you can overcome that. That's what I believe Messiah is promoting here. He's not promoting outright rebellion against anything. Okay? It's, it's particular in what he's doing. And... Um, I think Paul had his hand up, and John, um, John will make his way As there. I walk slowly over there, I'll ask my question. Okay. <laughs> well, I, one way to, to think of authority is to ask, where is the presumed authority that you have over me? Like, True. Like the, these, uh, you know, the, the, the priestly elders here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have an authority? How, explain to me how you have authority over me. I'm putting the onus back on you. Yes. Paul, thank you, John. Another way to look at it is that the Torah comes with authority, and if you follow the authority, then you have the righteousness that comes with that authority, and you submit to the authority. But one of the questions, and I think that's where Yeshua was reasoning with them, he he asked, instead of just answering that, he said, well, the baptism of Yochanan or John, what was that from? Mm-hmm. They had greater fear of men. You know, well, you know, if we say this, then he's going to, you know, they're reasoning in them, among themselves. Now, whether they were reasoning in their hearts or they were having a conversation, um, the, the point is that they're reasoning, okay, we can't answer this way because he's going to respond this way. If we answer this way, then he's going to say this. So let's just play dumb and say we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we can still do that today, you know, when, when we, yeah, we can play dumb and, 
you know, not really, whether it's fear of men, maybe it's fear of men at work, maybe it's fear of men or, or, or peers at school. Uh, why do you observe the Sabbath? Why do you do this? Well, you really don't need to do this. And we kind of kind of, okay, the crowd is going this way. Should we, like it says in 26, we fear the crowd. So um, that kind of shows where their hearts were and it gives us an insight track. I'm getting long-winded, aren't I? I'm going to stop. Uh, but a lot of times <laughs> in everyday life, we don't get to see two sides of what's going on behind the thoughts and actions of other people. When we look at the Word, we get a glimpse into that, and we can see what was going on in their mind and in their hearts, even though if we were there and present, we probably wouldn't have any clue. So I think it's good reflection for us to look at. And here are these religious leaders that feared the crowd so much that they weren't going to recognize the authority of John, and they certainly would not recognize the authority of Yeshua if he answered them directly. Awesome. No, I like that insight. Thank you. Oh, Wanda. Um, I find it interesting that they knew how he would respond to them if they said this or that, that. That's interesting, huh? So that tells me that they knew that his teachings were righteous, they were just, and they were, they were correct. So they knew because he would respond out of the Torah, and they knew that. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. That's uh, interesting because you, you do, thank you, Wanda, you do see this. And sometimes at the same time, I see sometimes what they possibly are doing, which we see today so much. It's like they already had the, I don't know, it's maybe a position of arrogance or wanting the fight. You know, you, you know what I mean? Well, I'm not going to, you, you take that low road because there's no great comeback that I have. Because the whole purpose that I'm really approaching you is to tear you down. I didn't really approach you with an honest, I don't really care, you know, uh, you know uh, that as well. So I, I do see that plays a part. Give me one second, Joe. Let me read a little bit for, further here because one point I did want to make. So this idea of adhering to the commandments and prayer and walking that out, that's how I believe you say to this mountain be gone and that, Okay and be thrown into the sea. That's how we can overcome anything. Because, I mean, I'm sure all of us still will run into certain things, or unrighteousness has come upon us or towards us. How do we overcome that? You know? So that's how I see what the, how the Messiah is going to... Our Messiah showed us that picture. So we live it out. We live it out uh, as he did. And remember, he didn't hunt down people, Okay? I don't see him having strong words to anyone who had humility, okay? And think about this. Even this particular group of people, let's just go to the individuals. Take, for instance, in John 3, 1, the Pharisee named uh, Nicodemus. Uh, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Messiah at night, all right? He didn't come opposing Messiah. He came... I, at least from, I would say, an understanding, asking the teacher what's going on. You know, even though maybe he was part of that little group that was making the wrong decisions or with an arrogant uh, attitude. So, I, so that's, I see that Messiah does that. So the point is what I would say here in some ways too. The point in this idea saying to this authority, be thrown into the sea along with obeying the commandments uh, the, the Great Commission isn't, you know, about hunting people down and condemning them. Messiah didn't hunt down people and make sure they had all their doctrines right, if they got the crescent moon correct or not, or if they got the calendar right on, per se. You know what I mean? That wasn't his goal. That's not where he met the people. It's to walk like Yahshua, obey the Father's commandments, Because like kind will produce like kind. And I would say, if you're not guarding the commandments, okay, the feasts, clean and unclean food, and the seventh day rest, that concept, those are the commandments. If you're not guarding them, then I would say maybe you don't have much authority in your life. Because to me, the authority comes from doing those commandments. That's what gives you the authority. 
So Yeshua is walking out righteousness before them and us, if we look at it, because this is for us. So he and the Father are with us when we do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is the Torah, is those commandments and those teachings. So who or what... gives you the authority to do good, to do good deeds. Because if you remember in here, they were complaining because he was healing people. He was teaching them righteous things. He wasn't doing anything against the Father, so he was doing good deeds. So who gives you the authority to do good deeds? Should be an easy question. <laughs> The Father, his commandments, give you the authority to go out and do good to people, to be, walk righteous. That's, like John had mentioned, there comes the authority, okay? His word does. So let us not be blind when we see the same in front of our eyes. And what I'm pointing to back when the Pharisees were seeing this man, okay, to him... He might have not fit into their, his particular denomination, but he was doing righteous and good things. So we too, just because we might know a little bit about other denominations or other doctrines or whatever, but I tell you, I think it's still a good thing to stand behind whoever who is doing something that's good and righteous and commend it that's good. And don't sit around, well, you know, they're Mormon. If they're doing good, they're doing good. Look at it that way, okay? Because later on, when you have relationships, then things can change, okay? But even somebody, an atheist or whatever out there, if they do something that's good, at least honor and look at it that they're doing something good, okay? I think that's important because sometimes we get in all these little battles all the time and we can't have them. Let's make sure... We have our authority to do good deeds in our lives as we go, and the Father will work all these things out. And then those mountains, however big they will be, I trust they will be thrown into the sea. Uh, Joe. Okay, I was, just, uh, looking up, <clears throat> I was just looking at the verses up there. I can imagine the, uh, the chief priests and the elders standing off kind of watching all, watching all this scene happening. And then uh, they were so used, superior, because other places in scriptures, they like to be seen in public, making big branches, prayers, or everything like that, uh, to act like they were the elite. And then when uh, they saw the people come to Christ, Yeshua, and heard him say, if you have faith, move this mountain, or so and so forth, then that's when they asked, by what authority? Because we're the elite. We're the ones that are really superior in what you are. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, I think that's because uh, the Pharisees, they like to be, uh, like I said in Scripture, like to be seen in public, making prompts for prayers, all like that. So people would bow down to them and say, yeah, you're really that. So uh, they wanted I, think, good seats. I think it was a little yeah. bit of jealous, a jealousy there, too. Uh, and that very well could be. Thank you, Joe. And, and the one thing like I, I like to always do, anytime we're looking at the Pharisees, let's make sure we're not behaving like them. You know, uh, we, we really have to look at that. So um, it's interesting, and then I'll get to you, Michelle, here in a second. By what authority are you doing these things? Okay, that was their question. I want to continue to cross-reference this point in time like I have been doing. Um, and this will add some more to the understanding because we're in the time of Passover here too and how Yeshua fits into it. And I hope you will see, um, see a little bit more as we, going, as we go further because we're going to go to, we're gonna go to Luke here and um, we'll be reading the same event in the same point of time. And remember, it's those three days of him teaching before his crucifixion. I think that has to be added in here when we hear all this going back and forth in the conversations and the, 
specific teachings, not that they're different from any of his other that he was doing other places, but I think it's important to look at the time that he's doing some of these particular ones that have been recorded. So, and we'll see what we can gather. And it's interesting, there's one point I'll come back to, I think I have it in here, if not, I'll get back to it later, about them saying, looking at him and saying, by what authority you're doing this, you know? Michelle. I look at this, there's a few things going on. These are not the priests and the elders based upon Torah. These are, the, these are by the people. Or the Romans the or Romans. a collective. <laughs> so it's interesting that Messiah answers him about John, who was actually the high priest based on Torah, and it's about mitzvah. As high priest, that should have been a very easy one for them to answer. Mm-hmm. Because as high priest, they should have been honoring this before they even go into the set-apart place. So they didn't want to recognize John as a high priest. They're here, they're calling him a, um, a prophet. They know who he is. And it was interesting that he answers the same way. He's not going to tell them what's in them. He is. He could definitely tell them the authority, but it's not time to do that yet. But it's interesting that they're trying to throw it apart that they are the authority when they actually are not. No, no, yeah. That's an, thank you, uh, Michelle. Uh, one, I'm going to jump ahead because you mentioned something there. Uh, and what I see, I think he's showing what authority. It, you know what I mean? They're asking, okay, by what authority? And I believe he is showing outright what a, who gave him the authority to do by what he was doing. Even just the basic teachings and doing doing what he was, let alone the healings and some of these other things that, uh, that Messiah is, has done. All right, so in some way, he didn't have to. He already answered their question. They just didn't see the answer at all. So I, I think that is kind of interesting too. So I got to have to throw this in here because I, I wanna, <laughs> it's the fig tree again. But I grabbed this because I, you know, I showed you some of the conclusions I came up with. And, oh, I found this, and I'm like, I have to share this too. Because this sheds maybe a little bit different light on the fig tree understanding. Okay, because this still plays a whole part of it. Because it's talking about the fruit that's coming off of that particular group of people. The priests and, uh, and the scribes at the time. Okay, that's what, who he said this to. And we saw in the Old Testament how that was Israel, but yet it was a particular of the fathers, those who are to be an authority, to be guiding the others, okay? So, uh, so I wanted to sh- share this with you. Um, manners and customs of the Bible's lands. Uh, it goes on to this. Um, in order to understand why Christ cursed the fig tree one day, it is necessary to know the custom of the fig tree's growth of the leaves and fruit. The normal habit of a fig tree is, is that the fruit begins to form on the tree as soon as the leaves appear. Leaves and the fruit also appear together. But it was said of the fig tree, which uh, Jesus, or Yeshua, and his disciples saw on Mount Olives, for the time of figs were not yet. And then we saw in Mark 11, it said it had only leaves. Actually, this was no excuse for the fig tree because it was not time for the figs. It was also not time for the leaves to appear. So you both one and one, or both come out together. But the, sh- uh, but the show of leaves, it was like many people um, pretending to have fruit, which was not there. It was like the Pharisees who professed to have very religi- be very religious or obedient or, or however you want to look at it, but, those, uh, but their lives were fruitless. Therefore, Christ cursed the tree as an object lesson um, to all not to be hypocritical. And I think that's one of the key words is that hypocritical. So what it's saying is, you know, we saw, I think it was in Mark mentioned, the leaves were there, no fruit. And the fig tree, by its nature... The leaves and the fruit come together. So what it, that, so it's one way to understand, okay, they saw the leaves, Messiah saw the leaves, didn't see the fruit. It should have been time to at least see the fruit, and there was nothing. 
So this authority has no fruit in it. Which goes back to, by his deeds, that's how we have authority and back and forth. If we don't produce the deeds, we have no authority. If we produce the fruit, we have authority to say to that mountain, say to that tree. Okay? And again, that's just going along with what the commandments say and that it's a behavior. And I believe it's a lifestyle that we need to have. Okay? So... That will be the last of the fig tree as far as I can tell, okay? But you never know. So I mentioned Luke. So we're going to, this is the same time period of what's happening, okay, in Matthew. From a little bit different perspective, same ideas that are going on, we're going to look at. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent, sent to her. How often I wish to gather your children Uh, The way a hen gathers the chicks under her wings, but you would not have it. See, your house is left to you, uh, laid waste. And truly, I say to you, you shall by no means see me until, uh, until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. And that's, you can see where that's what was happening when he was coming into Jerusalem in some ways. Blessed he, the king of David. We need a king, Hosanna in the highest. I, so I would associate the cursing of the fig tree here too as well because of the fruits of the people, okay? He didn't find the fruit that, that he was looking for, so he was hungry. And this is also directed to us. And then Luke goes on, same time period, same, what do you call it? Same incident report, Okay? And as he came near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you only knew even today the matters of peace, but, how, um, but now they are hidden from your eyes, because days shall come upon you when your enemies shall build a rampart against you and surround you and press on you on all sides and dash you to the ground and your children with you. And you shall not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And having entered the set-apart place, he began to drive out those selling and buying. We looked at that, and then I'm going to skip down further. And he was teaching daily in the set-apart place, that's in the temple, at the house of Yahuwah. But the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people were seeking to destroy him. Here, Luke's saying, you know, they had an attitude to get rid of him regardless, you know. But they did not find what they may do for all the people were hanging upon him and listening. So just like John the Baptist, they were scared of John's crowd. They were scared of Yeshua's crowd as well. But I highlighted particular uh, words here. Keep in mind these uh, keep in mind all these things from Matthew's gospel, too, that we went over. Bring them forward. You know, uh, taking that mountain and tossing it in to the sea. That fig tree not producing fruit any longer. So we can see later on what happened in 70 AD, I believe. Is that when it happened, Jerry? The temple, everything was sacked. Not one stone upon another was. All right? So you can see what Messiah was talking about. And that all came about because their deeds they did not recognize their day of visitation. Remember, the day of visitation is those feasts and reckon it. So you can see the importance of recognizing the feasts in our lives, why we need to celebrate them and understand them more. So, um, yes, Joe, and then we'll continue here. The word that keeps coming to my, to my mind is barrenness. It's like when Hagar, when Hagar was uh, barren by not having a son, when uh, Sarah, the, the, Sarah, yeah, yeah it was a son, and uh, other uh, places in the scripture it talks about the barrenness, the emptiness of there. And uh, I think, too, that Yeshua uh, was hungry, and he saw the barrenness of the fig tree, and uh, someday it's like the way Israel is now. It's in full bloom, but at one time, it was very barren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Thank you, Joe. And it's weird. I see Messiah who was hungry. He didn't see righteous fruit, you know? And think about that. Even don't we feel hungry out there in some ways because we don't see righteous fruit coming off of the, those who are estranged and don't even know some of these commandments, let alone maybe our own brothers and sisters in the movement or in Christianity. So, you know, I mean, that can go a lot of different ways. Let me continue in Luke here. There is something I do want to get to here. And it came to be on one of those days, this is the time of Passover, I added that, okay? As he was teaching the people in the set-apart place, bringing the good news, that's interesting, and we will come back to that for sure, that the chief priests and the scribes together with the elders came up and spoke to him saying, say to us, by what authority are you doing these? Or who is he who gave you this authority? And he answering said to them, I, 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 I shall ask you that uh, question too and, and answer me. The immersion of Johannan or John the Baptist, was it from the heavens or from men? And they debated among themselves saying, if we say from the heavens, he shall say this. So we, as a matter of time, so we, same thing, same happening in Matthew. So like I said, is the deed is the deed show his authority? That's what I believe. Yes, I believe Messiah by what he was doing. He already answered a question. They shouldn't even need to ask the question. And hopefully, in our lives, when we see that same thing in other people, we shouldn't see, you know, wow, that that brother and sister did something right. And let's recognize when we see something that others do right according to the commandments. So, in the set-apart place, I have it highlighted there, bringing the good news. This is important. What is the good news? He hasn't died yet. (laughs) Okay. Is most of the good news rejected today? Has it been done away with in some form or another? And I'm going to prove my point. No longer for us today can the good news be divided into pieces and you take the one that best works for you or is the good news like everything from Elohim, from our God, is echad or united and is a unit. It comes together. I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring Paul into this picture now because Next to Jesus or Yeshua, Paul seems to be the bigger authority, the next authority in Rome. I'm going to go to Hebrews, and just for the moment right now, for whoever's listening or even you, let's just assume Paul wrote Hebrews for the sake of an argument, okay? So, these are the same things that that were going on that was recorded in Luke. Therefore, as the set-apart spirit says today... Today, remember Messiah was saying, today you miss your day of visitation, Jerusalem. If you hear the voice and do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, is that Passover talking there, the Exodus? And we're even past Messiah now. We're into Paul's life or the author of Hebrews. A day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tried me, proved me, and saw my, uh, my works 40 years. Therefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So you can't say Messiah has come and he's just doing this new thing in your heart. And, you know, in the past, they had no heart. People are people. Okay, so there is no difference between the generations, at least so far as I can tell. They go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. That's the key point. They have not known my, they didn't want to walk in my ways. So I swore in my wrath, if they shall not enter my rest, look out, brothers, lest there be any of you a wicked heart of unbelief and falling away from the living Elohim. So even Paul, or the author here, is associating his ways, which is his Torah, to the heart, 
into obedience and then falling away. So this is New Testament stuff based on the old. And so far, nothing has changed. And that's the point he's trying to make. But, I'm, but encourage one another daily while it is called today, because the today back then was the same voice that says, today, listen to me as I take you into the wilderness. The Spirit, listen to the Spirit as I take you into the wilderness, show you my commands so you can obey them and have a wonderful life. But encourage one another daily while it's still called day, lest any of you be hardened by the uh, deceivableness of sin. So don't be, think by something being done away with that's still missing the mark if you do that. For if we have become partakers in the Messiah, if we hold fast to the, the beginning of our trust from the end, and you notice where that trust really comes from, while it is said today, goes back to the Exodus, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts, as in that rebellion, he's comparing today with them, for who, having heard, rebelled? Was it not all them who came out of Egypt, led by Moshe? And with whom he was grieved 40 years? Was it with them whose, uh, those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness, and to those who did not hear, uh, did, uh, did, not, uh, did not he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. Let me say it this way. They could not enter that rest, that promise, because they said, we don't need it. It's done away with. We're going to hang on to whatever we got in Egypt. We don't need this Torah. We might take a little bit here and there. But most of it, it's not for us today. That's what they were saying. And Paul's saying, if you're saying that, your corpse is going to fall in the wilderness. Therefore, since a promise remains to enter into the rest, let us fear lest any of you uh, seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the good news, see, the good news is the same good news there. It's the same good news Messiah is talking about, was brought to us as well as to them who were in the desert, who came out those 40 years and didn't obey So when I made that comment, if you're saying, well, we don't need to do those commandments, they're done away with, then you're, you're cutting the good news in half. Because it was back then. But the words which they heard did not profit them. Not having been mixed with trusting, believing, and those who heard it. Same difference today. Well, we, I, I don't see that we have to do that. It didn't hit your heart. That's why you're not doing it. For we have believed. Uh, for we have believed. Um, do uh, for we who have believed do enter into the rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, if they shall, uh, they shall, they shall enter into my rest. And yet his works have come into being. From the foundations of the world, for somewhere he has said thus about the seventh day. And Elohim rested on the seventh day from his work. So Paul's going to tell you, give you a, a working example here. And in this again, if, if they shall enter my rest, since then, okay, since then it remains for those who enter in and those who formerly received the good news. So the good news here was then and is now. The good news did not enter because of disobedience. So if you disobey today, the same thing's going to happen to you as it happened to them. Okay? Based on the good news. The same good news. And again, defines a certain day today saying through David so much later as it has been said today, if you're 
hear his voice and do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So he sums this all up here in some ways. So there remains a Sabbath keeping, a Sabbath for those people of Elohim. So those who are going to take the good news, not divide it up, trust in the good news, do the commandments, and the Shabbat's part of that whole, the seventh-day Shabbat is part of all that. So the Passover is all over this. What's the good news according to Paul? The good news of the kingdom hasn't changed. The good news of the kingdom is that you can repent and enter. I think that's very, very interesting. That's the good news. You can repent and enter. You can go back to his commandments and do them. We all can enter in by the blood of the lamb. If you truly love him in spirit and truth, you will do his commandments. And I have a psalm that I want to, I think I can end with quickly with, was there a question or comment? I just have a comment. I want two topics. One, I want to touch on the Sabbath keeping for the people of Elohim. We spoke about this with our children this weekend, something we saw about the Sabbath. And that is that it's always been looked upon that we will be restored back to the Garden of Eden Mm -hmm. at a time that God fully provides for his children, the children of Elohim. By keeping the Sabbath, by guarding it, it's a reminder to us each week that we look forward to that time of restoration where we look to Elohim for all our provisions. He asks us to prepare for six days right now, but on that seventh day, we look to him for all of our provisions. That is why we talked about this with our children. The buying and selling is not so much a prohibition as it is that We look to him. It's a day reminding us that we look to him for our provisions. It's a reminder of a time to come. It's a reminder of restoration that is still coming to us where he fully provides for all of us. And that's what the Sabbath is, looking forward to that time where he is, he's our provider. We right now continue to gather for six days and do our work knowing that this time of restoration is still a time coming. The second thing that I wanted to comment on what you were talking about on the authority. When I, when I read that, I'm always thinking, they're asking him, what yeshiva are you from? You yeah. know, where are you coming from? What school of thought? You know, who was your teacher? What where rabbi you get the, anointed yeah. you? Yeah. More, that, that seems to be what they're fishing for. And he never quotes any school of thought. He never declares a yeshiva. He, but by, like you're saying, what he's doing, they know that he is taught. They can see his works before them, and it shows that he is a man of righteousness being walked out before them, yet he doesn't declare any yeshiva or any school of thought to them. And I think that's what they're really, the question they're asking, Kim. No, I do too. Thank you, Paulie, because I think that's interesting because Paul makes a comment that brings my mind. Paul made a comment, you know, I was under Gamaliel, right, or whatever. And he wasn't saying that only to make a point. But follow me as I follow Messiah. He wasn't saying follow me as I follow my rabbi or whatever. The, you know, so in that is the follow. We are to follow each other, all right, in some ways, as everyone follows the Messiah, follows those commandments. There is the authority. So, no, I think that's interesting how you see, you know, he was proclaiming, well, you know, how I sit. I've showed you my authority. It's coming from the Father. I think he's the best one to anoint anyone, and you know, Barry. If Paul said something, I'd hear it. He's right behind me. <laughs> um, can you please restate what the good news is? The good news, how I see it, is you can enter the, the kingdom, repent back to his ways. That's part of the good news. And it was preached to them as well. They were in Egypt. They came out. And the good news was the commandments. Here's the life. All right? So I think that's part of the good news, along with Yeshua has died. Because that's it's already in those commandments. If you obey me and trust my voice, all right, and do these things, okay, 
First of all, you have the land forever, your seed forever, all right? So that means there's a resurrection in there because we all know we're allotted to die. You see what I'm saying? What I see today, everyone's taken Yeshua, um, his death and resurrection, which is a beautiful thing, but they're not knowing the fullness of what the good news is. Like John, repent, go back to the commandments to enter that kingdom. Does that answer? Or? So, to, so to simplify, the good news is you can turn back to God. That's one of the major, that's what Messiah to me was proclaiming all the time. And how do you do that? That's a question too. The Torah, his teachings, that's how you... Because I see it, it as turning back to God, you want to do the commandments. Exactly. So now you see the heart issue. <laughs> which has always been the heart issue, which I see came out here. So we kind of went over time, uh, so I do have to... Uh, I was going to say, is that in other words, we can turn back to God, we can have our heart free, we can be freed from the sins that, cap, that, that hold us trapped, seeking to find what feels good, mm -hmm. and be free to actually be at peace. Isn't that pretty good news? So, so always pointing out about the good news is it's much bigger, and I think a lot of it's not has not been looked at or has been viewed as done away with, and you can't do that. It has to bring in. I'll close with this. I was going to close. Read Psalm uh, ninety-five. Uh, Psalm ninety-five. All of it. I think it is really great. It will go along with what we are talking about. Back to the Sabbath. The Sabbath, as Polly had mentioned, I have my notes, this is interesting. The Sabbath is looking forward. The one thing about Sunday, it's the first day of the week, and it's saying, okay, I got it all. <laughs> I got it all done, you know, the first day of the week, and you go downhill. The way I see it is the, why it's designed the Sabbath. It's something that you look forward to. You're always preparing for. If you begin your week, in some sense, this is fundamentally, they're they oppose each other in, in, that type of, in that type of way. Not beginning, rather than that's where we're going to end. That's what we look forward to, okay? So that's what I think is important about the Sabbath. And the Sabbath itself, we, are we not looking forward to him returning? Are we not supposed to be preparing every day up to that day of rest when he returns and now we enter into that rest? It just makes more sense all, all the way through Scripture about looking forward with that hope. And I could go on and on. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks. We thank you for your commandments. We thank you for the good news that we can come back to you. We thank you for those good words that we are trying to put into our lives and those commandments and those precious promises that you have for us. Father, strengthen us with your spirit so we may overcome and we can overcome by your authority that you have given us through the blood of your son, Yeshua. That's why your love is our authority to go forward and do what you've asked us. We thank you. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Thank you for your time. And those, I know we went over, we'll be back in about 20 minutes. So next week, we'll, we will continue in Matthew 21, 28. So 